This week, my guest is Jordan West. We talk about how he built two companies, Little and Lively Clothing and Mindful Marketing, from a happy accident involving diapers. Welcome to episode 259 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the podcast for ideas and inspiration on marketing your business and growing your business and for discussing topics on all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a marketing guy and keynote speaker from Edinburgh. Talk to me if you want to cut the BS and the complexity from your marketing strategy. Welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate it. Quick question before we get into this week's interview. Do you do marketing for your business, but you don't actually have a marketing background? If so, you're exactly the person who I've written my book for. Cats, Mats and Marketing Plans, yeah, it's a bit of a quirky title, isn't it, is now out. You can buy it on Amazon as a Kindle book or as a paperback. It's full of practical advice, great stories from 25 years of marketing, and a deeper dive about some of the stuff we talk about right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. One of the things I love about being a podcast host is sometimes coming across a story which just has a great hook to it. My guest this week has created two businesses, a very successful online clothing business and a marketing agency, but both of those businesses started with a little problem over nappies. So let's get straight into this week's interview with Jordan West right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Jordan, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, very, very excited to be here. And Jordan, tell me, where are we Zooming each other from? Now, I'm in Edinburgh, UK, as always. Yes, and I am just outside of Vancouver uh, in British Columbia. Beautiful British Columbia today. I can. Uh, it's a beautiful, clear day. I went to Vancouver for my 10th wedding anniversary, which I have to say is uh, 17 years ago now. Uh, but we, we have fond memories of a fabulous week staying in Vancouver. We stayed down on the waterfront. We took a, a seaplane down to uh, down the coast. We went to Stanley Park and we saw some white whales in Stanley Park. We went up, uh, the, is it the Capiliano, Capliano Suspension Bridge, which was yeah, yeah, one of the scariest things that I've ever done. Um, my, my wife still gets the jitters when we think about that. So yeah, some very, very fond memories of Vancouver. So uh, yeah, very, very interesting to talk to somebody from such a long way away. Yes, yes. I, and that's the beautiful thing about this day and age, right? Like we can just connect and we're, I mean, we are eight hours difference, I guess, or seven hours difference, but yeah, we're here. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. So, so Jordan, you are the CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer of a company called Little and Lively Clothing. And I think you may be the first clothing manufacturer that I've ever had on the show. So that's a first. But you, awesome. also, you also run your own marketing agency as well. And you're the host of a podcast called Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. So this podcast could be about five hours long today because we've got so much to talk about. <laughs> but, but we before- won't make it that long. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) But before we dive into any of those topics, Jordan, please tell me a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, how your career developed, and, and basically what makes Jordan West tick. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. That's that's a great question. So 
Uh, I believe I was 23 years old and I purchased a Taco Del Mar restaurant, which is like a chain uh, Mexican restaurant. Uh, I found it on Craigslist and it was super cheap. I think it was $35,000 at the time. And I was like, you know what? What's the worst uh, possible case scenario? I'll I'll learn some stuff. You know, maybe I'll lose $35,000. Well, the worst case scenario was actually that I lost about one hundred and fifty thousand, <laughs> and and I didn't really have that kind of money to lose at that time. Um, I was a paramedic at the time, mm-hmm. um, and working incredibly hard uh, just to keep that business afloat. But one thing that we did throughout our five years of owning that business is we actually tripled the sales. So mm-hmm. I, I tried to learn as much about marketing as I could and and tried to get people in the restaurant. The problem was with with that, um, it was just a losing game. The food costs were were too high. Uh, the rent was too high. It was just, it was the kind of game that I personally felt like I couldn't um, win at. Mm-hmm. And so right at the end of um, owning the Taco Del Mar restaurant, my wife and I had our first child and she was, uh, she came from a fashion background. She was a fashion designer. Uh, we started to do cloth diapering with, uh, with our first child, which, uh, like, let me tell you, it was the worst thing ever. We, <laughs> were, we would never do cloth diapering again. We have three kids and that, that was it after about two months. But the issue was she couldn't find leggings that would fit over top of cloth diapers and, and mm-hmm. as well, just like regular diapers. And so she decided to design some leggings just that would fit over top of that, just to put a little bit more room in the diaper area. And uh, and some people saw them and thought like, oh, this is a great idea. Can you make some more of these? So she started to make some more, went to some markets. And that was, I believe that was in 2014. And then fast forward to today, and we're a, a mid seven figure clothing company um, selling mostly in Canada. So, uh, throughout that, my wife and I realized that we needed to work on different things. And so I was really, really good on the marketing side. And so it just kind of turned into me starting an agency, Mindful Marketing. And we're we're actually now almost the same size as the clothing company. So that's sort of the, the fast forward, fast version of, um, of kind of how I got to where I am now. That's a really interesting story. And I, I love the way that two businesses developed out of this. And and, and again, just looking down into that, that story about Little and Lively and how it started, it's the classic identification of a customer need that probably nobody else had identified before. The fact that you were, you were using a certain form of diaper, we call them nappies here in the UK. And, That's right, yes. And, and, and <laughs> And, and nobody else was fulfilling that need. So you 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 dove in, you created a business around that need, and, and obviously it it hit a chord with quite a lot of people, and, and it's grown since then. One of the things that confounds me about the marketing profession today is that a lot of people seem to miss out this stage of looking at what the customer needs and coming up with something, an offer, a product or a service that meets a customer need, preferably better or indeed different than anybody else's, and and then build the business around that. So many people these days just want to dive in to start communicating or they want to put some adverts together or some content together, and they haven't actually nailed their offer, whereas you you started off with the offer straight away. Do, Do you find that that happens quite a bit I suppose from the agency point of view, people come to you and say, we need to advertise, we need to promote. And you're sitting there thinking, uh, well, where's your offer? Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely like what we talk about on, on our podcast often is that offer is always at the top, right? Mm. That's the top of the mm. chain. It goes offer, in, in our case, creative, then next would be copy. And then you get into targeting and all that sort of stuff. 
But if you don't have an offer and you don't have something people will like, uh, there's there's just no reason for you to try to sell it before, until you until you've actually validated the offer. So one thing that we do at that little and lively is we have a VIP group. Um, and we'll often ask their feedback on products. So we were actually just about to launch a Christmas uh, design and we put out the two designs and everybody said they didn't like either one of them. Right. And so right. it was hundreds of comments on this. Hearing that, we were able to easily pivot and come up with some new designs, then go test them on the VIP group. And everybody said that they liked those two new designs better. Um, so really good example of just asking, right? Yeah. I mean, that that idea of of testing and then refining and then testing again. Again, you know, in the world that we live in now, we've already said, you know, that the fact that we can connect 6,000 miles apart, you know, with a couple of presses of a couple of buttons is incredible. And the fact is we can have conversations with people anywhere in the world today, and yet so many businesses miss out on this opportunity to validate their products with their potential customers. Totally, totally. They try one-way conversations, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So give me a little bit more about how Little and Lively grew, because obviously you started off and you, you were doing it all on quite small scale. And obviously, seven figures, it's grown quite, quite large. How did you develop the business? How did you create that, uh, that market for yourself? Yeah, so in the first, I believe it was in the first three or four months, we got our first wholesale order uh, mm-hmm. at a baby boutique about three hours away from us. And it was a $500 order. And we thought, oh my gosh, this is like huge. Like we've, we've kind of made it, you know? Uh, at that point, my wife was sewing everything. And we decided that we needed some home sewers. So we found home sewers in the area. We would cut everything and bring it to them. And we were selling a little bit online and it was just Etsy at the time. Fast forward uh, a, probably about a year and we decided to um, buy our own URL and have our own Shopify store. Right. And so at the time um, I had just gotten out of uh, the Taco Del Mar restaurant and I had tried out Facebook ads a little bit with, uh, with the restaurant. And I decided, you know, I want to just try selling a little bit on Facebook here and Mm -hmm. see how that goes. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because now I look back at some of the numbers that we got and the return on ad spend was like 90 at the time. I think this is like 2015. We would just, all we do is just take a post and put some targeting on it. And that was it. And have a URL like in the description. I don't even think we had a call to action. Uh, And I would run it like as an engagement post or something like that. And we started just to sell out. We would just sell out all the time. And then we had to just slowly catch up. So at the time, we actually had all the inventory at our house. So friends would come over and our house would just be full of inventory. I built shelves and our house. And we, we always said, oh, no, we're just going to be a home-based business. That's all we're ever going to be. It's just a home-based business. We'll grow as big as we can within our house. And then that's it. And then one day we were walking downtown, probably about a 10-minute walk away from our house. And we saw this, this storefront and we thought, you know, I bet that we could, you know, have a really small storefront and then fulfill all of our orders out of there. And I think the cost was only like a thousand dollars a month uh, at the time. And uh, and I think that was four years ago. Now uh, we went in there and we've really never looked back. We've taken multiple of those units all around it. Now, I think the biggest 
the biggest recent change um, for what's really skyrocketed us has been that feedback in that VIP group uh, mm -hmm. and asking their opinion and really being able to get really solid feedback like within minutes from them. So I, I'd say that uh, one of the things that we talk about at, at our agency is that we try and be the paid ads agency that gets you off of paid ads. Right. Because I really believe that owning your customer and your customer data is the ultimate, right? So mm -hmm. um, that's a place that we've gotten to now where we don't have to spend the same percentage of our, our of our budget and of our revenue that we used to spend to acquire customers. Because lots of those customers now are coming back. We have about a 60% return rate monthly. So what you, what you really did was invested in the Facebook ads early on and you've built yourself a community of people around Little and Lively. And are, are you advertising on Facebook at the same, at, at this moment, or is that uh, faded out? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're totally advertising now. We just, we'll, we'll advertise for certain things and we yeah. won't advertise necessarily to our core audience, right? We'll just mm -hmm. advertise for acquisition. Uh, you, you make a big thing in your, I guess, in your agency pitch as to how you built or how you made $250,000 of e-commerce sales in 24 hours, but without using Facebook ads. So, so what's the, what's the trick that was, um, was going on there? Oh, totally. This is, I'm, I'm obsessed with this right now. So we call this a gated <laughs> launch. Right. Um, because I, I really do believe like anytime we do these gated launches, they are just absolutely like the, the amount of sales that we get comparatively to a regular launch, um, is just crazy. So let, let me walk you through what a gated launch looks like exactly. So okay. we have a, our VIP group and we also have our SMS group that we also call our VIP group. And we let people know when they join those two groups that they will get early access to sales and to new releases. Mm -hmm. So for this particular $250,000 launch, what, what it was is it was just a, a launch of a new collection. It was our fall winter collection. Well, so, so what we did is we shut the website down for 24 hours before. Doing that creates a lot of um, anxiety um, <laughs> with, with customers um, and a lot of fear of missing out. And so we let people know, hey, we're going to VIPs. We're going to give you the password two hours before we launch to the general public. And so that was at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And basically, as soon as we let that password out, and we've done this multiple times, but this was definitely the biggest one. As soon as we let that password out, the website had thousands of visitors. Mm -hmm. um, everybody having to enter the password, right? So they're making a micro commitment by entering that password. They come on the site and the conversion rate was, was I mean, I think it was like something like 15% <laughs> during that time. Yeah. And so we, so we did about $120,000 in that first two hours. And then we let it open to the, to the general public and the rest of, uh, of it came. The, the gated launches are incredible because they create this, this scarcity mentality. And it's not just false scarcity. It's, re, it's real scarcity because mm -hmm. we do sell out of items. So we sold mm -hmm. out of a lot of items that day. But it's great because it allows us with our manufacturing to go straight to our manufacturer the next day and restock on those items. So we don't have a bunch of dead stock sitting on the shelf. We know from that first day what people are going to generally order throughout the whole season now. Just to summarize, effectively what you did is you closed down the website. So it, it just went, it, did it disappear completely or was there some sort of banner that came up and said, we're about to launch a new, a new line, come back? In, in a few exactly. days. Yeah. 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 And, and so then it's like the Shopify password protected. Sure. Uh, and then you told everybody within your VIP group that 
here's the password. And then if you go to the website on a certain day, then you can enter the password two hours before it effectively comes back up for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we didn't that's... release the password un- until that 10 a.m. Sure. And then they had the password for, for the two hours. Sure. Now, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. I love that concept, the gated launch. That's I've never heard it ex- expressed like that before, but uh, I can see how you've you've played on that FOMO. And, and you know, FOMO is something that, that uh, quite a lot of people play upon now, uh, from all sorts of industries, events especially. Uh, But yeah, people don't like to think that they're missing out on something. And of course, then you play the second card, the scarcity card, uh, to make sure that you effectively clear your shelves when you actually open the doors. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. And it's really, really amazing for for us to start a season off like that, Mm -hmm. Um, especially because, uh, you know, in any sort of um, inventory-based business like this, there are a lot of costs, right? Mm -hmm. Our costs are about 25% of of our retail, and uh, that's a lot to put up at the beginning of any season. We've gotten a lot better with our cash flow over over the time, but having a big launch like that really, really helps. And so, little and lively, massive success still growing. What was the point when you decided that, you know what, I can go and start a marketing agency now? Were the techniques that you wanted to help other people with, the marketing techniques that you wanted the agent to help other people with, did they develop out of the experiences you had with Little and Lively? Or had you a a wider vision for the marketing agency on top of that? Well, it was funny. When we first started the marketing agency, we would work with anybody and generally not e-commerce brands. Right. So I, I just kind of knew how to run paid traffic. I knew how to, you know, create funnels. And I thought, oh, we'll just kind of work with anybody. Like, like why why would we just do e-commerce? And 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 so, you know, people would come um, often because they saw the success of Little and Lively. And they would come to us and we'd just say yes to everybody. And I think it was a a change about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, where I kind of woke up and I was like, well, actually what I really know really, really well is e-commerce. And if I can train our staff on e-commerce, I have a story in Little and Lively that continues to grow that I can tell to attract customers to us yeah, um, and attract clients to us. And so we actually test everything that we do for clients. We first test on Little and Lively. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll test, I'll test anything. Like we're testing an app right now. Um, and actually that test has been completely successful. So we're, we're, um, we're definitely going to be rolling that out, um, t- to everybody, um, because I really believe that that's another sticking point, um, for people in, in e-commerce, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it actually developed a lot together. So at first our office, it was just two of us, uh, at first, and um, our office was in the same space as the clothing company. And so we would, you know, have our little mindful marketing area. Uh, and so now we've, we're obviously in a completely different space and we've got a whole management team here. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny how and really, really cool how they've grown together um, with the notoriety of Little and Lively. Um, people just naturally will come to us because they know that um, we're also um, the owners and that we can actually get real results. So talk me through the process that you take the clients um, through at the agency. I mean, you've already mentioned, and I was delighted that you already mentioned that offer is one of the first things that you talk about. But t- talk me through the process. I, I'm, I'm a company. I come, I've got, I come along. I want to grow my business. I want to use marketing to grow my business. What's the process you take me through? 
Yeah. So, so the first thing that we do is we have a quick chat with, with people to see if they're a fit. There are certain levels that it makes sense to hire an e-commerce marketing agency for mm-hmm. and certain levels that it doesn't. Generally, kind of seven figures um, is that starting point for us. Yeah. Um, and so we'll have a quick conversation. And then after that, what we do is a growth plan. So we look at what they've been doing, what a company has been doing with their marketing. And then we look at where we think that they can go. Um, and then we come up with a whole plan based around um, what we've seen that they've done in the past. And some people will come to us and they haven't done any paid advertising before. It's been all organic. Yeah. Um, but we have all sorts of levers that we think that we can pull, not just on the paid advertising side, but also on um, the retention side. And so we'll come up with a plan for them there. And then if that looks good, then we'll actually work with people um, on a full, uh, you know, on, on a full agency scale mainly running paid ads, creative, uh, all, all of that sort of stuff. And of course, I've already said, Jordan, that we live in this world now where it's so tempting to want to dive into and use all these fabulous tools that we've got to promote our businesses. So obviously we've got Facebook ads, we've got Google ads, we've got ads just about everywhere. We've got social media, we can try content marketing, we can use webinars, we can use TV if, we, if we've if we got the budgets big enough. And, and one of the things beyond the fact that marketers like me, however hard I try to, to push the offer and to make the strategy the first part of what companies do, and, and I do this, this, this with my own consultancy clients as well, as marketers, it's always so tempting to want to dive in and start playing with the toys. So obviously, it's got to fit the business. For some, Facebook ads might be the right thing. For others, if they're a different, if, it, if maybe they're uh, like a lot of the people who listen to this show, a financial advisors, it may be LinkedIn is a better place uh, to do some advertising. But what, what's the process that you go through to to identify what the best marketing channel is for the people that you're working with? Yeah, so we'll look. So we look at Facebook, Google, and Amazon as as mm-hmm. the three tops. So we'll go in, um, especially with Amazon. Uh, we can see a lot of data um, yeah. to see what their competitors are actually selling. So that's that's kind of the first place that we'll go. Um, even if they aren't an Amazon brand uh, or or brand that's on Amazon at the time, I really like to see that data just to know that there's that sort of customer demand for those kinds of products out there. Sure. So we'll look at that and and include that in the growth plan as well. And then we'll look on Google and just look at search volume based around their product and their competitors as well. Um, and then and then Facebook is is interesting because it's more of a more of a research to think, is this a product that we can sell on on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Um, how many touch points are we going to need? Uh, is the customer going to need before they're actually able to convert? So if they don't have much advertising data, then I don't I don't take much stock in that. We'll test Facebook to see if, if it works. Um, generally, with most e-commerce products, it's still working with the CPMs that we have now. But really, like, like we've talked about before, I like to just nail down that they have a good offer. And if they don't, we like to develop that um, with them and the way that they can actually sell their product. Yeah, I think one of the lessons that I learned when I was way back in big corporate, again, I was working with marketing agencies all the time. And I can remember back to one time, I was was quite young, uh, so we're, we're probably talking over 20 years now. Um, we, we had an agency came in to pitch to us 
an ad for an advertising campaign. And it was one of three agencies. And, and I remember the first two agencies that we'd seen, the pitches were a bit disappointing. And so we were all getting quite excited and hoping that the third pitch would be the one. And, and, and it was disappointing. And I remember sitting there thinking, really deflated here. We haven't actually got something we can work with. And I remember my boss at the time looking quite deflated as well. But after the agency had gone, he says, do you know what? He says, this is not the agency's fault. This is our fault. We haven't nailed the offer. We didn't articulate the offer to the agency well enough for them to be able to create the creative, which is what we'd employed them to do, the creative around that offer. So he made mm. us go away and refine the offer, be absolutely pinpoint accurate who the target customer was, be pinpoint accurate how we stood out against the competition and what the uh, unique selling features were. And you know what? When we went out and pitched again to agencies for a, for a follow-up, it worked because we'd actually done the work to nail the offer. So, you know, people who listen to the Marketing and Finance podcast are probably fed up with hearing me say this, but, but the offer is just absolutely essential. You've got to get that right before you start briefing people because otherwise they'll either tell you that, the, that you haven't got enough information or worse, they'll fill in the gaps and probably get it wrong. Yeah, yeah, totally. It does not matter who you put um, it in front of, like as far as targeting is concerned. You know, people love to talk all about targeting and, yeah. and you know, the different, all these different tools that we can use. It doesn't matter if you don't have a product that people actually want to buy. Yeah. Or, yeah. or a service. Yeah. And talking about, you, you've, you've mentioned Facebook ads quite a lot. And Obviously, when they when Facebook ads first started, well, well, Facebook went through that trend, that period, didn't it, where you you could actually get a lot of traffic just by putting posts on Facebook, and then of course, as more and more people piled onto Facebook, then you start having to create adverts to actually get in front of people, and for a long time, I was told that actually Facebook was phenomenally good value. Uh, you know, the, the, the click-through rate was very high, the, the cost of the ads was pretty low, and, and people were having a lot of success. Then, of course, prices started to go up. But since then, we've had COVID, and COVID's changed everything. What's the situation now? Is Facebook a good platform? Or, does it, again, does it depend upon the product and the market, market you're in? Yeah, I think it really depends on on what you're trying to sell. For e-commerce, I think Facebook is still a no-brainer. Um, yeah. October this year of 2020 is really interesting, uh, especially in the United States because of the election coming yeah. up. Um, costs have absolutely skyrocketed. Results are are half of what they were in September. Um, it's it's a very very difficult time, and I'm very much looking forward to November um, for us and for for our clients. Luckily, in Canada um, and and in the UK as well, costs have stayed uh, very stable. Mm -hmm. um, so when COVID first hit in March, we saw uh, cost per thousand impressions just plummet. Right. Um, it, it was about half of um, of what it was at the peak in November uh, of the year before, which is is. It was just phenomenal value. Um, we were able to, lots of the brands that we worked with, we were able to get just incredible results. Um, and I feel like the noise got got turned down a little bit because right. a lot of the big brands actually took their ad spend um, and left for, for various reasons, not just COVID. Um, and so that was a really, really good time. And th this October is actually more what I would expect to see uh, going forward with the Facebook platform. And I, and I, and I think that... Um, that's why it's so important 
to capture customer data um, and get them onto your lists and get them into a community and have them in a place where you don't have to um, be acquiring them on Facebook. Yeah, get them into that gated community. I, I keep coming back to that word gated. It's it, it's uh, it it has a connotation of prison in my head for some reason. But it, I, I'm, I'm thinking of it positively. I'm thinking of it positively. So I, I I just love the way that you've effectively developed these two businesses, Little and Lively Clothing, and the marketing agency running alongside it. What would you say? was the the one thing, and, and let, let's do two of these, actually. What would you say were the two things, one from each, one from Little and Lively and one from um, Mindful Marketing? What what were those, what were the biggest lessons that you've learned that you'd like the les- listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take away from the experiences you've had running these two businesses? Yeah. So on the on the marketing agency side, niching down, I, I'd heard it for, for years um, but niching down was the best thing that we could have done yeah. um, because we can serve our customer so much better. And people come to us because they know that we're the e-commerce marketing experts. Yeah. Um, that that alone um, will change your business. Just, you know, plant a flag and and be that person. And on LinkedIn and wherever, just talk about that topic and people yep. will come to you for that. Yeah. Um, on the on the clothing company side, uh, and what I love to tell e-commerce um, companies is focus on your product. Have a good product that people want to come back for, and want to continually buy in new styles and uh, new colorways and and all of that kind of stuff. Um, because those customers, um, once they're acquired, don't cost you anything. So have yeah. a good, good product with a good follow-up sequence. Um, but you really have to nail your product. Um, marketing cannot cover up a bad product. Absolutely right. You could, you, you cannot facebook ad your way out of a poor product absolutely not Do you know it's so refreshing to hear somebody on the marketing and finance podcast enthusiastically talking about product i, I do get frustrated jordan i have to say and i, I you know I've, I've not gone to any live conferences this year for obvious reasons but i've still attended quite a few online conferences and, and over the years i've spoken at many many marketing conferences across the world and often you'll be sitting there thinking does anybody ever talk about the product anymore you know it's always diving straight into the communication uh, so it's so good to have somebody on the show who has been enthusiastic and focused on the product. Jordan, it's been fabulous talking to you this afternoon. Really enjoyed the chat. As I say, very refreshing to talk to somebody from a a bit of a different sort of industry than I normally get. Now, I'm hoping that people listening to the show might want to get in touch with you, either to talk about uh, Little and Lively Clothing or about your marketing agency offering. So what's the best place that people should get in touch with you? Yeah, if you guys want to chat um, marketing, uh, first of all, LinkedIn. I am very, very active on LinkedIn. Uh, you can search Jordan West Marketer. Um, and if you just search Jordan West, I'll probably be the first one to come up. I'm super, super active on LinkedIn. Uh, and then the second would be uh, for marketing would be mindfulmarketing.co. Um, and uh, yeah, just you can connect with us there. Um, we put out a lot of content um, on all social channels uh, with everything to do with e-commerce marketing. Um, and then for Little and Lively, just visit our, our website at littleandlively.com. Um, yeah, we uh, if you have kids, uh, it's the perfect, perfect place to come. And, uh, and if you like comfy clothes. 
Fantastic, fantastic. And I'll include the links to all of those that you've mentioned in the show notes for the podcast, which you can find at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash M-A-F. Jordan, really enjoyed our chat this afternoon. Let me wish you every success for the future. Now, I always say this to all of my guests. It would be great to meet up with you for a coffee or a beer someday. Given the fact that there's 6,000 miles between us and a global pandemic, I suspect it won't be any time in the near future. But you never know. Maybe I'll come back to Vancouver for my 30th wedding anniversary. I'm going to come to Edinburgh as soon as I can. (laughs) (laughs) You take care, Jordan. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. I'll catch you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business.